You are listening to audio from Harvest Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. We are so glad you are joining us today. If you would like to know more about Harvest Church, connect with us online at myharvestchurch.com. And now for today's sermon. This morning, it is an honor and privilege to have Tony McFadden with us. Tony McFadden is a pro-life advocate and international speaker on abortion. She is the author of the book, Redeemed, My Journey After Abortion. Tony shares her abortion story of regret with transparency while leaving her listeners with hope. Tony recently spoke at the first annual Pennsylvania March for Life in Harrisburg and at the National March for Life in Washington, D.C. in 2022. Tony has written for Students for Life of America, Live Action, Newsweek, and was recently featured in the Washington Post. Tony has appeared on Victory News Channel, 700 Club, Dr. James Dobson Family Talk Show. Tony holds a bachelor's degree from Westchester University and her master's degree in biblical counseling from the Summit University. She is currently pursuing her license in counseling. Again, how do you have time for this? She was the former relationship educator and director of relationship education program in the greater Philadelphia area for six years and has shared this program internationally in Africa and Israel. Tony has been married to her wonderful husband, Chris McFadden, for 14 years, and they have four beautiful children. And I had to laugh because this is such a real um, parent you know, schedule where this morning I heard Tony Sharon in the lobby. She's like, listen, I- I'm here to speak, but at one o'clock, I have to, to go work the food stand at my son's wrestling match, okay? And so just, it is so awesome to have you here, Tony. It says that she loves helping people see their worth and giving them hope through her own story, being an advocate for the unborn and being a stay-at-home mom and spending time with her family and sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Um, The point of that um, short video is that we believe that life begins at conception. And we know that life begins at conception because we know from Genesis 1 that God is the one who knits us in our mother's womb. We also know um, just, you know, God aside when it comes, which I don't think science contradicts Jesus at all, Um, but we know just before technology that when the two meet, I know there's young ears in here, so you know what I mean, when the two meet, (laughs) there is a unique DNA that is formed, and that unique DNA will never be created again. And so that video was portraying also how when it comes to this subject, we've made it political. For the believer, it is not a political issue. This is a spiritual issue. And I love that your church is so bold about speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Because the church being silent on this issue is unacceptable. It is an honor every time the Lord allows me to get on a platform and share what he has done. I would not have a story to tell if it wasn't for his grace, if it wasn't for his mercy in my life. I pray that what you hear today encourages you to continue in the fight for life. 
I pray that it helps you to not ignore this, that to just say, well, it's too big. This is too big to what can I do in this? There are things that you can do in this practically. And going to the March for Life is one of those things. Um, I've been going for years and just being in the presence of that many people is powerful. And it does set a tone and it does tell those in Washington that there are people who are not okay with babies being slaughtered in the womb. And so don't underestimate your presence there. I've shared the regret of my abortion many times. And in some aspect, it can be okay for me to share because I'm not speaking out of a place of condemnation. I know what my savior did. I know that his death and resurrection has set me free. But the regret, the regret will never leave you. The regret will never leave you because on this side of heaven, I do have to, in part, suffer the consequences of my sin. And I can't take back what I've done. But thank God for, for grace, right? But this is why I speak on this subject, because if I can help any girl not walk down that path, it is worth it for me to share the darkest places of my heart in order that they don't have to walk down that. But I also share it for those who have walked down this road <clears throat> to let you know that healing is possible, that you don't have to live in your shame, that you don't have to live in condemnation, that the gospel is real, that it's not just real for certain sins, it is real for this sin as well. So if you're here today and you have had an abortion, I pray that you experience God's heart and his hand pursuing you right now. I also pray for those who have not walked down this road, praise God that you have never experienced the horrific memories of an abortion. Praise God for that. Praise God for the grace over your life with that. But I pray that today, as you hear my story, and as I educate a little bit on the background of abortion and the history of abortion, that it would give you compassion for women like me who have walked this road that you would be able to speak with them with compassion and love and with grace. Because without the grace of God, you too could have walked the same road. As Christians, we value life because we know God is the giver of life. He is the only one who should be able to give and take away life, not us. So slide number one, thank you. God's perspective of life in the womb should define how we value life in the womb. He shows us that clearly through scripture. You read Genesis 1, and it takes you back to how he created Adam, how he created Eve, and that we are to multiply. We are not to destroy life. We are to create life. And it's an example of what our Savior did. <clears throat> A lack of God's perspective in the womb will cause us to devalue it. Have you seen that in our culture? 
how we have devalued life. We see that throughout history through slavery, through the Holocaust, through, through the millions of babies who have not given a chance to breathe life. And our culture is a culture of death in many ways. We say as a pro-life movement, we value life from womb to tomb, to natural death. And we see in our culture right now so much division, but they're after the vulnerable, right? Our most vulnerable are these babies in the womb. And then we have the elderly, and they have the assisted suicide now for anyone with terminal illness. And we don't like suffering, right? No one likes suffering. But as a body of Christ, we get to share in God's suffering. If we're living and breathing, God still has a purpose for us. What happens when we devalue something? That means we can treat, treat it however we want to, right? If I look at something and say, you don't have value, then I don't have to see their worth. Now, it's painful for me to even admit this, but there was a time when I valued my life over my child's life. I faced my own unplanned pregnancy when I was a senior in high school. Any seniors in here? No? Yes? Um, just taking it back to high school, you know that in that time of your life, you're excited, you're gonna graduate, you're gonna go off to college and start this new life, right? Well, I find myself pregnant and I tell my boyfriend and the first thing he says to me is, you don't wanna keep it, do you? And my best friend said, you cannot keep this baby. Those were the only two voices that I heard. Do you understand how important it is for pregnancy resource centers, for the church to be a place where girls like myself can run to you, not a run, run away from you? The church should be a place where if a girl ends up in this situation, she doesn't feel like she has to hide it and run to Planned Parenthood, who's going to lie to her and tell her, this is normal. Everyone does this. You can't let your parents know. They want parents out of the situation. They told me that they were gonna give me a new name, so when they called my house to remind me of my appointment, if my parents answered, they'd say this name so they would know, so I would know it was them calling. That's how deceptive they are. They do not care about women. They do not care about these young girls. It's all for a financial gain. I was given the popular argue for 86 pill, the chemical abortion pill that's being pushed right now and is given out over the counter at CVS, Walgreens, wherever. You buy it online. And they're giving these to these girls, <clears throat> which, what if they're not really pregnant? Or what if the boyfriend is buying it and putting it in her drink? Because that's happened. I went there and with my boyfriend and my best friend, I went into this abortion clinic. As Soon as I stepped in, I wanted to walk out. But I thought this was my only option. When they gave me an ultrasound, they had a screen, but it was faced against the wall. 
when you go to pregnancy resource centers, they have a screen like this because they want you to see your baby. They want you to see that there's life there. They face it against the wall because they need to see how far along you are so you, they know how much to charge you. When I asked if I could see the screen, the nurse was agitated with me because the last thing they want is a vulnerable girl to see life on that screen. As soon as she turned it around, I could barely get a word out or a question out. She said, see, it's nothing. It's just the size of a pea. I was seven weeks along. I guess she didn't want to tell me that my baby already had a heartbeat. I guess she didn't want to tell me that the moment of conception, as I mentioned before, that my baby's unique DNA had already been created. How tall they're going to be, what their eye color is going to be, what their skin tone is going to be. She devalued my child in that moment based on their size and their location. I was given those uh, pills which block the hormone progesterone, which means it starves the baby to death because the baby detaches from the uterus and dies. And then 24 to 48 hours later, they tell a teenage girl to take these pills alone to expel the pregnancy. Long story short, my pills did not work. Not only did they not work, but a month and a half later, I experienced severe hemorrhaging while I was in school. Let me not forget that my boyfriend broke up with me the day after he brought me to the abortion clinic. So here I am about to graduate high school. My parents have no idea what's going on. I just went through something very horrific and traumatic and I'm acting like this is normal. How many people do we walk past every single day we have no idea the battle they're, they're facing? Can I also say this is why we need our parents? If you are living in a healthy home with two parents who love you and are all in your business, <laughs> be thankful for that. <laughs> I wish my parents were in my business. I wish my parents asked me hard questions because I needed them during that time. And I love that God can redeem the darkest places of our hearts. And I love that he can see the full story, even if we cannot. I went off to college at Westchester thinking that a new place would be what would change everything for me. It did, but it was because of him. I became a believer through Campus Crusade for Christ. I heard the gospel many times before that, but it became real to me then. And when God rescues your soul, that changes your entire worldview. You no longer look at the world through the culture's eyes. You look at the world through his word, and that changes everything. All of a sudden, my standards changed. All of a sudden, I thought, I'm waiting until I'm married now. Now, all of a sudden, I'm looking at things from my past that I was unable to look at, believing that God was going to be faithful 
to redeem and to heal those things. And he did above and beyond what I could ever think or imagine. I ended up working for a pregnancy resource center, which is ironic, right? And I would speak in schools and I would talk about saving sex for marriage and I would talk about how I was on this side before and I'd done all that and now that I was, I was waiting to these teenagers looking at me like, what, you're 20 something at this point. I'm like, no, yeah, I'm waiting now because I understand the power of valuing yourself and valuing other people. And if I don't wanna walk down the same road I've walked down, I have to do things differently. And I can't look at other people, I gotta look at myself now. No bl sh shifting blame. The one thing that I was scared to talk about though was my abortion. Because I thought that was the one thing Christians weren't going to forgive me for. But God, he is too good to keep us where we are. And when I decided to speak about it, it wasn't about me. He was like, do you know how many girls need to hear your story? Do you know how many women need to be set free? This isn't necessarily about you. But you know what? You got to go through the healing. You got to sit in the pain. You got to look at what you've done. But I took it on for you. And he gave me this verse, Isaiah 118. It says, come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. What I love about this verse is that it wasn't like God was like, oh, it's okay, sweep it under the rug. No, the sin had to be dealt with. But he dealt with it on the cross. He dealt with it with the resurrection defeating death. And not only did he show me his grace and his mercy, but down the road, um, about 10 years later, the same guy I had the abortion with asked me for my forgiveness. Not over the phone, not over text message, or not over the internet, but he wanted to meet me face to face. And when he looked at me and he said, the reason I left that relationship was because I didn't want to have to face the fact that we ended the life of our child, all of a sudden I realized, that's one of my children. <laughs> that's when I realized that abortion does not just affect women. It affects men too. Because God has called men, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's because God has created you to protect and he realized that he did not protect his child and he did not protect me in that moment it takes a real man to come back and do that and less than a year later he put this ring on my finger and I think there's a picture of our wedding day. Um, my husband, uh, Chris McFadden, some of you may have heard of him. He is the president and CEO of uh, Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge. And um, the Lord has not only, not only redeemed him, but also redeemed so much of our relationship. It was completely different 
This time we waited until we were married. This time he has fought for me and continues to fight for me till this day. That's the difference of having God in your relationship and God not in your relationship. On our wedding day, we were able to honor our unborn baby. We let our guests know that we were going to light an extra candle to honor their life. I think I have a picture of that as well. And then the Lord blessed us with four beautiful children. I think I have a picture of that too, a more recent one. Two of them are taller than me already. Not that it takes much, but um, and you got to watch out for that little one at the bottom. He's, <laughs> he's the one I'm going to the wrestling match for. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I look at my children, they know about abortion. They know about our story. And they know that they should have another sibling. Abortion has a ripple effect. It does not just affect the woman, but it affects others too. Because of time's sake, <laughs> um, I'm going to um, just quickly share that um, the history of Planned Parenthood, um, one of the other reasons um, I speak on this is because it is also affecting the black community as well. And I'm just gonna share this very quickly, that the number one killer in the black community is not black on black crime, you know, it's not drugs, it's not alcohol, it's none of that. It is abortion. At this point, we are not replacing ourselves. And if we keep aborting our babies at the rate that we are, we're not gonna exist. That's, I mean, that is how serious it is. If abortion did not exist, if all 50 states made abortion illegal, blacks would no longer be a minority, okay? Like, let that sink in. I care about every child, I don't care what race, um, when it comes to abortion, but there's an agenda on purpose. And I'll just put that one of Alveda King, she said, when we said we would no longer sit in the back of the bus, a place was being reserved for us down at the abortion clinic. And that is true. I have been on the streets, I've painted on the streets, black preborn lives matter, right out in Maryland. It was right down by black lives matter, and guess what, guess which one got wiped off? Very telling, right? Again, this is why the, the church cannot be silent on this issue. We don't have time to be silent on this issue. We are commanded, Proverbs 31.8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. We know how to value life because we were once dead in our transgressions and sins, but God gave us life. So we have a completely different view. Are you gonna get pushback? Yes, but you know what? It's worth it. When you've seen the procedures that are done to these babies, it changes you. And like myself, as someone who has experienced abortion, it is not normal, it is not natural 
for a woman to do this. It changes you. And so it, this is my way of saying, I can't do this on my own. We need more voices in this. And I think that it is can be intimidating, but the grace of God is there. He will empower you. He will give you the words. You don't have to have every single thing perfect. Just open your mouth and speak up for them because they need it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tony. You're Something welcome. that we wanted to do, uh, you know, Tony had joined us. Uh, we try and make this series about uh, pro-life and every other year kind of uh, ordeal. That way it doesn't become redundant, stays fresh. And so Tony was here a couple years ago. And one of the things that I asked uh, her permission to do today with our remaining time is I said, Tony, can we just do a quick interview style just to go through some popular questions that I feel like the, the church has had or that I've, I've heard you know, within the church. And so she was gracious enough to say, yeah, absolutely, let's go for it. So Tony, one of the uh, questions, that a couple that I wanted to, to ask you, the first one, uh, how do you personally respond to Christians that say abortion is a political issue that the church shouldn't be involved in? Or I've heard this one so much as a pastor. When I'm at uh, uh, different pastoral conferences, ministry conferences, I feel like I hear this one so much. It's too sensitive to talk about from the platform of the church. So what is your response to those perspectives when it comes to the topic of abortion? Well, as someone who's been in this and I'm, I've sat across multiple women who have suffered through abortion of thinking the same thing I thought, oh, the church isn't going to forgive me. I think it's a cop-out, honestly. Hmm. I think it's a cop-out to say, oh, it's political or it's too sensitive. There are women hurting in your seats who are longing for you to, say, to know exactly where you stand and have a clear picture of, oh, I can come to my pastor and say, I'm suffering with this. Or if there's a young girl, I, like I said before, I want her to know, oh, I can run to my I can run to my parents. I know this is going to be difficult but I have the confidence that I know where they stand, I know they're not gonna judge me, and I can run to them. If a pastor feels like I'm not comfortable talking, bring someone in who <laughs> speaks on this topic and, and share on it, or educate yourself. There's so many resources out there that can educate on the church, can come in and speak on this issue. But even with the political thing, I think that's the enemy scheme like for the church like oh it's too political you can't talk about you can't talk about that um, but as I mentioned before it is not a political issue for us this is a spiritual issue first yeah so. yeah absolutely and even yeah and I find it ironic that like you know, um, speaking on politics as a Christian has become the 11th commandment. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. It, even, you know, there's, there's, there's no scripture mm -hmm. telling us that we can't address right. politics. So should. even if it mm -hmm. was political. Yeah, you should. Because the government rests on Jesus' shoulders. So it's not like he's like, no, don't talk about right. that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want anything to do with the government. I I, that's, that's where I draw the line. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, next question. Um, 
what advice would you give someone here today that has a friend or a loved one who is currently contemplating having an abortion? Yeah. What do we do? Let's say a loved one or someone does come to us with that urgent panic, like I'm in distress, I'm, I'm contemplating this. What would your advice be like? What, what do we do from that point on? What's our first step of action? What, what action do we take at all? Number one, love them in that. Don't first come with the agenda of, I gotta fix this right away. I'm often, when a girl comes to me who's contemplating it, I'm like, tell me your fears. What are you concerned about? Let her, let her be where she's at. She's not having the abortion right then and right now. She needs to be able to have the freedom to process her fears and why she's scared, because those are real issues that she's having. Um, but I also think that um, she needs the freedom to say that um, maybe that this is the way she wants to go, but that doesn't mean, you know, right away you just are like, you can't do this, you didn't love You can't have that kind of agenda with her. Um, loving her, letting her know where she's at, letting her speak on where she's at, but also then providing resources. Know where your pregnancy resource center is because maybe you don't have the resources for her, but letting her know that she doesn't need to go to Planned Parenthood. You wanna slow her process down. The only thing she's thinking is, I don't wanna be pregnant. Mm -hmm. That's the mm -hmm. only thing she's thinking. You have the opportunity to point her to hope again, that this is not the end of your story. And maybe she doesn't have any education about how far along she is. Um, you know, some girls have no idea about conception all the way through, they have no idea. So it's slowing the process down, giving her a safe place to be where she's at, finding a pregnancy resource center. There's also um, optionline.org. Optionline.org um, option is a place where you can just put in a zip code, because say she doesn't live near you, say she's in another state or whatever. You can put in the zip code and they will give you a list of all the pregnancy resources in that zip code. So That's awesome. resources like that. And then you have like live action. They have um, videos that you can send her a video. They have like animated um, videos of pr different procedures. So you can send her the, you know, to educate her because a lot of times the girls have no idea what the procedures are even like. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. And, you know, last week whenever we uh, had uh, a couple come in for the um, human trafficking, you know, Sunday where we addressed that topic, one of the things that they did at the end of the workshop was they showed the uh, hotline for the human trafficking number for us to, to call if you ever see any signs. Um, I'm not, I'm not asking this to see a, a, you know, show of hands, but how many of you have the local pregnancy center number in your phone? I would be willing to bet that a majority of us don't. And so I would encourage you to get those numbers in your phone so that someday if the, con if the conversation were to come to your doorstep, you already have the phone number, you can already start, you know, looking into those resources. Uh, the next question Tony, what advice would you give someone here today that has a friend or loved one who has recently gone through an abortion? What are the follow-up steps with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, creating a safe place for them. Um, I think asking questions, heart questions, um, not as an agenda, but to really understand where she's at with this. Um, and then there are 
a lot of resources with that. A lot of pregnancy resource centers have post-abortion counseling. I think that's also something the church could have too for women um, in order to show that you care about them and love them is um, providing that. But there's also some ministries. Um, there's one called Deeper Still. It's a weekend retreat where um, a woman can go and go through wow. healing. Um, there's one local here. Wow. And then there's also um, Bible studies, like Forgiven and Set Free, which is actually the one I went through. It's a 15-week Bible study that she could walk through. Um, there's Surrendering the Secret. There's so many other resources that um, can help her walk through this because she cannot walk through this on her own. So. Um, then the organization I work for, work for Pro Love Ministries, which is Abby Johnson's um, ministry. Um, I work with women who have either had an abortion or have chosen to um, keep their babies and being a support for them. Um, and so there's so many resources out there that people don't know about because yeah. it's not as promoted as the pro-choice side, mm -hmm. um, but they're out there. Yeah. So. You, I keep hearing the word support. Would you mind giving a couple examples on like what does practical support look like, yeah. like lived out? Right. What does that look like? Most girls who are having abortions, the number one issue is financial. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have money. She's gonna either she's gonna get kicked out of her home, something like that. So, um, one of the resources, um, like I said, Pro Love Ministries. So we um, provide like a whole care for her. So not only is she receiving counseling, but she's receiving financial coaching. We have provided rent, we have provided cars, we, you know, to get her on her feet. We're not just trying to give her a handout, yeah. um, but we wanna help her, support her, get her on her feet, and then um, coach her through. Um, we do resumes for them. And I've seen so many women thriving because they have the support that they need. Um, so throwing baby showers for them. You know, churches can do that. Um, I've partnered with churches before where um, I will put up a baby registry for a girl who needs the support. And it's people like you who buy everything in like 24 hours. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I was going to read some of the things, um, quotes from women that I've had. Um, over the years who have been so amazed that strangers mm -hmm. that will never meet her or her baby would provide for her. And it just shows the, the hands and feet of Jesus to her in her most vulnerable moment, which Planned Parenthood would never do this. Call Planned Parenthood, they're gonna give you diapers? No. You're gonna get formula? No, mm -hmm. <laughs> none of it. You know, they only want your money. So. Um, the way to, I think, the church also can be of support is being a, su being a support to the pregnancy resource centers, yeah. too, and helping them out. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Follow-up question, how can the church help women heal if abortion is a part of their past? So I know that you mentioned the baby shower yeah. um, uh, for those who you know have chosen life, but what about those who have had an abortion as a part of their past? How can we come alongside of them and um, help you know administer the healing gospel of Jesus? Well, I think what you did today, um, so thankful for you to give me the opportunity to share um, on this side of abortion. Um, maybe providing a class where, or a Bible study for someone to lead and, you know, and welcome women who 
have gone through that to go through the Bible study. Um, I want to share just a short story. Um, I had a friend who got pregnant in college and she was like leading a Bible study, like doing all the, the things. Yeah. And she went to her pastor to confess this and to step down. And the first thing her pastor said was when she said, I'm pregnant, she said, praise God. Praise God for this little baby. That changed her whole perspective. She thought she was just going to be like, you're kicked off this, you can't do this, where, you know, it's that kind of presence of love towards them that, yeah, this situation is not ideal, but we're going to be there for you and we're going to walk you through this. And her little girl is now 15 years old now, and it could have been a completely different story so it's loving people like sinners should be welcome in the church because we're (laughs) we're sinners you know we're gonna mess up and I've said this to um my children as well because they know what I do that obviously I want them to wait until they're married but if something were to happen and you don't please do not have an abortion I know what I do I know I'm going around speaking on this but I want you to know you have the freedom to come home and we will walk through this together. So I think more communication for sure is key that there's not a doubt in anyone's mind that and when I walk into Harvest Church, I know that they love babies. I know they love women and I know they love women who've had abortions. I know they love women who are walking through this who are still in these stages because they love Christ and they want to show that. And so I want that to be clear across all churches that this is where we stand and you guys are doing such a great job anyway um i love coming here you know it's been um, a blessing to be asked back the presence of god is here and i've gone through church to churches where i had to tiptoe around even talking (laughs) about it yeah so to be able to have this freedom like i think you guys are on the right track and you're doing what you need to do so awesome no thank you for that I just, I love the way that you keep, you keep bringing up, just let them know that you love them because it sounds so simple, but I feel like as Christians, we're in such a rush to make sure that they know, like, we don't support this. Like we're in such a rush. Like, I just want you to know, like, I don't support that. And it's just like to flip that around and just say, all right, I just want them to know their love for and they're cared for. And we'll get to the other things later on down the road. Cause obviously they're, they're dealing with some stuff right now. We got to love the woman and the baby. That's so good. He goes, we always get told, oh, you just want the baby to be born. You don't love the the woman. And no, she needs to feel loved and cared for too. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Final question. Um, How can we as a church get involved in standing for and supporting life? I know that we've covered some other ones. You're more than welcome to reiterate those. Um, If there's additional ones, please list them out. But how can we as a church continue to get involved in standing uh, standing for and supporting life? Well, I'm going to switch that up a little bit and say make it more individual too. Don't just put it on his shoulders to do it. I mean, I think that you're doing a good job going to the march, but what can you do individually if you've never spoken out about this? I know posting about it is scary, too. (laughs) Believe me, I've got some DMs I could show you. Um, (laughs) But I think maybe as a church, kind of looking at ourselves and saying individually, 
where is God asking me to speak up for life? What does that look like for me? So maybe that could be more yeah. of a challenge. Yeah, beautiful. And if there was a church that was looking for van drivers to take people yes, to, what would to you the... tell those that church to get van drivers? <laughs> I just, as the Lord leads. No, that's... <laughs> God's you... going to get your drivers. Amen. He is. Amen. <laughs> would you stand with me, church, worship team, if you want to pop up here and hop on the keys, you know, that would be uh, beautiful. But church, would, would you join me in, in praying practically? Just for a second, I want to I throw this on you. You're going to start to lead in prayer, and then I'm going to close us in prayer. And here's what we're praying for. Would you pray for hurting moms who are in a position right now where they feel like they have no other choice? They genuinely feel like they cannot turn to anyone or anything else other than to take that precious life of their baby. Would you pray for moms in Lehigh Valley and beyond who are in that position right now? Would you join me in praying for moms who maybe they, they've made the choice and we're going to believe that God is going to redeem that so that someday they'll be sharing their testimony? Would you also pray for moms who did make the choice of life and now they're in the position of saying, what next? And there's this list of needs. Would you also join me in praying over our legislators and our states because we recognize that Roe v. Verse Wade has been turned over to the states. So would you pray for those in Harrisburg? Would you pray over our governor that God would turn his heart to become more Christ-like? So I'm just going to ask, would you bow your heads with me? And right there in your seats, would you begin to lead us in prayer? And I'll close us out. Would you go ahead, church? Just go ahead, wherever you are. And, and we've talked before how scripturally the word prayer means audible. So would you pray out loud? Would you do that with me? Come on, church. Just raise the decibel meter a little bit. Just go ahead and pray out loud. Pray bold. If this is new for you, grow in boldness today. Keep going, church. Nothing happens without prayer. There's power in prayer. Right now, the Lord is working in unseen ways that we have yet to even realize because of what's happening in this place right now. Jesus. Keep going, church. Keep going. there where you are, would you just continue to pray? And would you pray this? Would you pray that God would convict the church as a whole? Not only convicting us of our sin of neglecting this topic, but also convict the church as in a, a conviction that, that we would stand up and say, we've got to do something about this. The church at large. Would you just pray that? I'll close us out in prayer in a few moments. And ultimately, would you also pray this with me? 
whether there are women out there who have chosen to have an abortion and are currently dealing with that or they've chosen life, would you pray that all categories would come to know Jesus? Would you pray that with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that before we, we were even formed, that you had plans for us. Lord, we thank you so much for such a time as this, that you are calling the body of Christ to rise up as warriors. Lord, I just pray again for those who are here today, and maybe abortion is a part of their past. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a future. Lord, that is not defined by our past, but is defined by you. And so, Father, I pray for those who are carrying guilt and shame. Lord, that that guilt and shame would just begin to fall off of them as the blood of Jesus washes them clean. Lord, I pray for those who are here today. Lord, who maybe are know someone or are contemplating this serious catastrophic decision. Lord, that you would give them the strength to choose life, that they would understand that there's not only a body, a church body that is here for them, but there is a God in heaven who loves them and will support them every step of the way as they pursue a God-honoring decision. Lord, I pray that you would continue to give the church a voice that is louder than cultures. Lord, I pray that ultimately our nation and beyond would be one to Jesus. Lord, that politicians and various powers that be, Lord, would turn to you, that you would bring about conviction in our state capital and beyond, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask not only protection around our governor, Lord, but Father, we ask that you would bring him, that he would bow before you, Lord, and every decision that is made from his office, Lord, would be a God-honoring and God-respecting decision, Lord. Father, again, we just ask for an anointing to flow freely and abundantly, not just upon the church, but through the church, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the words to speak in a loving manner to speak them. When someone approaches us and says, when a woman approaches us and says, I'm in this difficult position, I don't know where to turn, Lord, I pray that you would give us words that speak of peace, Lord Jesus that the fruit of this spirit would just abound in our lives so that, it, 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 that, so that that individual can experience, Lord Jesus, your Holy Spirit in that moment. Would you just continue to equip your church? And I'm going to ask you, church, would you just extend a hand towards Tony as we just pray over her and her family? Father, we thank you so much for the McFaddens. Lord, we thank you for the incredible work, not only that Tony is accomplishing, but also her husband, Chris, over there at Teen Challenge. Lord, we pray a hedge of protection around her, her husband, and her kids, Lord Jesus, that her kids would continue to be raised, Lord, in a manner where they are becoming warriors for Christ who are not running away from any battles, but they are pressing ahead on like David. 
Lord, I pray again an anointing in favor to just rest upon Tony that wherever she goes, that she would not only have the attention of those in the room in their ears, Lord, but that she would also ultimately have their hearts as you begin to work in and through their hearts. Lord, I pray again that there would just be such a favor upon her that you would continue to open up doors for her to speak at these incredible engagements, Lord, that, that bring about influence. And, and Lord, just her, I pray just again that, that her testimony would just continue to be spoken in, in power and in truth. And we thank you so much, Lord Jesus for Tony today and the courage and the boldness that you've given her. And we just ask for more to be placed on her, Lord Jesus, more opportunities, more anointing, Lord, more favor, Father. We just thank you so much for the McFadden family. Now, Lord, would you go before us, lead us and guide us as your church. We ask that you would have your way, your kingdom come, your will be done. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, and if you believe that there are going to be some Goliaths falling in 2024, would you give God just a shout of praise this morning, church? Amen. I believe that abortion is a Goliath, but thank God he's raising up a generation of Davids. Amen. 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 Would you express your gratitude one more time towards Tony for bringing the word this morning and sharing her testimony? Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you so much. God bless you as you go with the Lord. He's going with you. I want to challenge you and encourage you. Check out her book, which is out on the table in the lobby. Uh, she goes more into more details with her testimony and story. Absolutely powerful book. Make sure that you pick up a copy today. Otherwise, God bless you as you go with the Lord. This has been an audio recording from Harvest Church. If you would like to know more about Harvest Church or get connected, please visit us online at myharvestchurch.com or email us at info at myharvestchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.